eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You've discovered your link to gopowercat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, gopowercat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Miranda Clark was one of those Kansas State football players that you could watch and just tell there was something special about him. You know, he's about 6'4", ran extremely well, was athletic, big, kind of had uh, Jordy Nelson-type attributes long before Jordy arrived on the scene at Kansas State. Clark arrived in 1997 out of Valley Center, and, man, he was a good football player. During his four-year career at K-State, he averaged 18.6 yards per reception, but he only had 25 in his career. Only 25. That's because Brandon Clark, despite all of his physical attributes, couldn't stay healthy. He kept breaking feet and injuring this and that. But it was the broken feet that just really haunted him throughout his career, including a rather horrendous break that he will talk about in this podcast. Brandon Clark flirted with the NFL, maybe would have made it in the NFL, and then guess what? An injury popped up. But Brandon Clark knew he wanted to be more than just a football player. He wanted to teach, and he wanted to coach. And fate would have it that a young Brandon Clark, just 25, would somehow become a Kansas high school 6A head football coach back in 2006. Derby High School wanted to get back to glory days. There was a great tradition of football at Derby, and they had gone through a down cycle, a brief one. But Brandon Clark wanted to be there. He wanted to be the head coach, and he became the head coach at a really young age. Turned out to be a good thing. Pretty good hire, I'd say, by Derby, because his Panthers just wrapped up their sixth state title in the past eight seasons. Brandon Clark wanted to be a high school football coach. He wanted to follow in the role models that he had seen and played for. And now he is one. Now, he is one of the great high school football coaches in the state of Kansas in a long, long time. Brandon Clark was born to coach, but it took him a while to come to a realization of the type of program and the type of coach he needed to be. We'll get to all that in our conversation with Brandon Clark. Welcome to the Powercat Sources podcast, the 
podcast in which we talk to the people who we consider our sources, and certainly Brandon Clark is because our guys, Ryan Wallace in particular, have talked to him so many times through the years about his many recruits. And boy, he wants his players to be K-Staters. He just loves the idea that he is now helping the program that he played a role in during its greatest years, probably, of college football. 97, 98, 2000, and then the down season in 2001 in which K-State had the unlikely 6-6 six and six record following so many great years. And then, of course, he was an observer for that 2002 team that reestablished K-State as being great. And in 03, they won the Big 12 title for the first time. Brandon Clark, football player, football coach, and all around really, really good guy. He is our guest on this week's Sources podcast as we step aside from the K-State coaches for another week as they completely are focused this week on playing Texas Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. We won't disturb him with a special request. And we'll turn our attention to a former Wildcat who's one heck of a coach and now a Derby Panther, probably for life. And now we welcome in Brandon Clark, former Kansas State football player and coach of the Derby Panthers. And he done, gone and done it again. Congratulations on another state title. Uh, you make something look easy that is nothing but easy. So congratulations on doing it again. Well, thanks, Tim. Um, tell me about this team. You got off, you lost to Mill Valley, and and you just started clicking as the season went on. What changed about your group? Yeah, you know, it was just a, a weird year all around. Um, you know, we had we've got all that outside noise with, uh, you know, all the distractions going on. And then, uh, um, you know, we play Mill Valley. And, um, you know, we did have some returners coming back. But I think Mill Valley probably had about 17 or 18 guys returning off that state team. And and uh, it really showed that first game. And we knew we'd, we were going to have to work really hard if we wanted to get to where we wanted to be. And, then we got on a, a two-week quarantine. Uh, the whole team did, where we couldn't even meet or lift or, or practice. We had to miss a couple games, and then we we lost one kind of in the middle of the season, right before the playoffs, to Mays, and really didn't play that play that well. And we were still kind of out of shape from the quarantine. And then ever since then, the kids really refocused, uh, got together, and and just just worked really really hard. Got into the film room. Uh, did a lot of good stuff, and I, I just saw a huge growth process from from that game on. And the Mill Valley loss had a whole other layer for you because Joel Appleby, the coach there, is your cousin? Yeah, he was actually uh, – we were roommates at K-State. Oh. Um, we we uh, um, he, he was actually teaching and head baseball coach out at Junction City at the time. Um, we, we were in college about the same time. He's a little bit older than me, too. But then uh, um, we always said whoever was going to get the first uh, head head football coaching job, the other one's going to have to follow. And he was either going to be my DC or I was going to be his OC. And um, I was lucky enough to land the Derby job. So he came down here and was with us for about four or five years, kind of helped us build what we got going on here. And then then old Mill Valley stole him away from us, and he's just done wonders there. But, yeah, they – they beat us that first game. I, I think he cheated, but uh, I can't <laughs> verify that yet. So uh, we'll just go with, yeah, they got us on that, that we'll, first game. We'll put that in the footnotes of this podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> what is that? Uh, 2006, you became head coach of Derby? Is that about yeah, it? I think so. Yeah, 2006. And you were like about... 25 years old? How did that come yeah. about? No. Well, when I first came to Derby, 
I was actually coming back from a Cleveland Browns training camp. I, I got hurt and uh, imagine that and uh, pulled my calf. And then I, I was just getting frustrated because it seemed like I kept on, kept on getting hurt and really wasn't going anywhere. And uh, um, the principal at Derby called me up and asked me if I wanted to come and, and teach. And he said he had a football assistant opening and Tom Young was here. And I was like, I called my wife and I was like, man, this is just this is perfect timing. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's look into this Derby thing. And, uh, I want to go learn from one of the best. And Tom Young was the, the coach here. I knew he was going to retire eventually. Uh, so I wanted to come and learn from him, got here and, uh, end up not having an assistant spot. So I ended up coaching eighth grade B team football my first year here at Derby. And then he left, he, he, uh, um, retired from Derby. And then Lucas Aslan came in who ended up leaving to go to garden city community college to be their DC. Then Mark bliss came in and went Oh and nine. And I, I just don't, don't feel like he, he enjoyed it here too much. So he left. So really at that point, all they were, they were looking for was just a coach that would stay here. And that's all I basically had to say. I interviewed the year before with, with, uh, um, when Mark Bliss got the job, but, uh, um, yeah, I told him I'd, we, we plan on our family loves it here. Uh, there, there's no better place than, than what we think Derby is. So, uh, got hired. The rest is history. Yeah. Coach that'll stay there. Heck you, you're not, you're never leaving. Are you? Yeah. They can get rid of you now. <laughs> I know. That's what I tell them. You guys are stuck with me now. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, let's go back to your, uh, your playing days. You couldn't stay healthy. I remember you were, you were always the guy with the broken feet, um, uh-huh. and that carried over into the NFL a little bit when you were trying to hook on there. Take me through that process of how difficult it was trying to stay healthy and playing with pain, uh, and foot pain just stinks to do anything with, let alone try to pl- play. Uh, and then what what went wrong with the NFL? Yeah, well, uh, at K-State, I kept breaking my feet. Um, I remember one, one day I broke, I I think it was my sophomore year, freshman year. I I broke my right foot, my fifth metatarsal and, uh, they had me back running full speed. Like got a, got a screw put in it three weeks later. Um, I'm running routes in practice and I had a Liz Frank broke every bone across the the top of my foot, got stepped on running around. So I broke my other foot then and I was out for six months, but, uh, I remember that practice. They wouldn't let me sit out. They thought it was just a little sprain. So I had to, had to practice the rest of practice, uh, on that foot. And then, then finally the next day when I couldn't fit my foot in my shoe, they, they let me go to the the hospital to get x-rays. But, uh, um, yeah, it was frustrating. And, and, you know, even as a coach, I, I, kids and I get frustrated when kids get hurt but you know usually when you're done with injuries broken bones you really can't help you know I mean you're bad luck maybe it's the way your bones are or whatever um it, after, after college I, I tried out for some teams and um I was actually I gained some weight to be a tight end um I was actually at uh Carolina Panthers um they had a, a a tight end just go down. Um, I think he broke his foot or his fasciitis. Was it a uh, Wesley walls or something like that? Um, one of their tight ends went down mid season and they brought me in a, a chiefs guy in old retired chiefs, uh, tight end in. And, uh, 
uh, man, I thought I did good. And I could tell I was going to sign with him and play that week. And then, uh, I saw some receivers working out. I said, Hey, let, let me show you. I can, you know, I can do what, what walls does too. And I, you know, I can stand up and, and be a receiver also. And the first route I ran, you know, I, was, I, I was supposed to be done first route I ran, I popped my calf. <laughs> so yeah. And then after that, it went to green Bay a couple of times and I kept, kept pulling my calf and, uh, and then had a little ankle injury. So it was just, I was made for a whistle and not football cleats, I guess. Well, it's worked out okay for you. Uh, <laughs> and you end up in coaching, um, uh, Mike Smith was your your coach, correct? Uh, yes. What yes. were the influences that he had on you, along with Bill Snyder, because those are profound high school and, and college influences you you had as a coach? Oh, for sure. To me, I played for two Hall of Famers, um, Coach Smith. Um, back in Valley Center, we never had uh, junior uh, football or anything like that. So eighth grade was my first year ever playing football. And I really didn't know if I wanted to go out for high school football because the, the football team was horrible. I really didn't necessarily love the game of football. You know, I was 6'3", 130 pounds, and football kind of hurt. And uh, um, Coach Smith got the head coaching job uh, the summer before my my, uh, my freshman year. And he talked me into coming out. It was the best decision I ever made. Uh, coach Smith was the coach that, you know, you hear everybody talk about culture now and, you know, being a family and all that stuff. Well, he, he did that. Uh, he did that. And, uh, um, he didn't tell us that we were going to be a family. He just didn't pound it in us. He just made us feel like one and, um, became really close with him. And uh, I knew I wanted to become a teacher, but by the time I was done with high school, I wanted to be uh, a coach Smith, just like what he did for me and my friends. I mean, he, he made us better men and, and love the game of football. And, and I wanted to do the same when, when I got out of, out of college and then playing for coach Snyder, uh, um, you know, when, when you get up to the college level, it's, it's, it's a little bit more business-like and, you know, everybody's, uh, I mean, you got jobs that depend on it and, and all that stuff and really learned how to be super disciplined. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that coach, coach Snyder made us all, everyone, everybody that played for coach Snyder, if you bought in, you, you were going to become an overachiever. I mean, he was going to make you overachieve. And I think that that was kind of his success, uh, is just making all these K-State teams overachieve and become better than, than they actually should be just because of uh, the attention to detail, uh, the discipline, um, getting the guys to work so hard that they buy into each other because they all, they're all in it together. And uh, um, it, was, it was a good feeling. I learned so much from him. I learned so much from all the assistant coaches at K-State too. I mean, it was uh, I couldn't ask for better, better mentors before, before I became a high school football coach. In your personal journey, journey in football, you mentioned that uh, you were tall, skinny kid. Uh, but does it help you now recognize, okay, this kid doesn't look like much now, but I can see what he's going to be in a couple years of hard work. Does that help at the high school level? It does a little bit. You know, I, I kind of do that with second and third graders now here at Derby. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, your son, you know, we got Devon Brain. I'm not sure if you remember him from K-State. He was a linebacker, D-end, uh, married uh, Nikki Ramage. Um, okay. But anyways, they, they've got a son, and I, I pegged their sons. I was like, all right, uh, your oldest is going to be a tight end, uh, maybe a defensive end. I said, your youngest right there, he's going to be a running back. He's like, no way. There, there's no way he's going to be a running back. And I told him this like when he was four years old. And sure enough, he 
Humphrey's going to be one of the best running backs to ever go through our program, but we just got to wait a couple of years. I think he's only like in the fourth grade right now. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But no, I, I, I like looking at kids and kind of looking at mom and dad and then saying, okay, here's, here's where I, I predict that you're going to be. Yeah. I'll just pat the kid on the head and say, you know, math. It'll take you a long ways. That, that's the way yeah. you would have treated me. Um, it's been it's been incredible. Did you ever envision having this kind of success at Derby? You know, I I wanted it. Um, um, our, our coaching staff wanted it, and and uh, I, I think what what people don't understand is that this community is pretty unique in, in terms of uh, um, we've we've built it from you know the kids being very young to kindergarten first grade when they're playing flag football to second grade when they're playing modified uh, tackle football and uh, it takes so many so many dads to to implement your offense and defense at those lower levels and learn it and go through our coaching clinics with them and teach them all that stuff. And then just keep building up uh, every year with those kids. Then it takes those, the middle school coaches, uh, you know, buy in time to, to really develop those kids from, from seventh and eighth grade to their freshman year. And, uh, um, you know, we, we go down as we have zero hour every morning. So once the kids hit high school, they, they uh they lift before school every morning uh all summer long you know we're we're taking about our only break this this week right now um and we got that all the way down to middle school too you know it's it's kind of like what i said a culture thing that that kids just want to they 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 want to win and they know we're we're just not going to show up here in derby we we don't have a bunch of six five six six guys walking the hallways or anything like that we're gonna we're gonna have to beat them our our own way and that's preparation and at the the youth level and all that stuff and that takes a while to put in place. That takes a, a lot of recruiting of dads and other people that can buy into the system. How hard was that to get it going? Um, you know, at the middle school level, it's pretty easy because they wanted it. And I was a middle school coach my first year here, so I understood that. And, and I knew derby football was special, but I also was down there at the middle school level. And then also watching some of my friends' kids play at the youth league level where they're running I or doing stuff that the high school wasn't doing. I was like, man, this is this is good football program. Good to have these kids kids uh, playing. But th- there's so much untapped right now that, that we could get better at. Uh, first year, uh, you know, I gave them the playbook. I said, here, please run this here's our offense here's our defense second year all right guys we you guys have to run this you know with no uh, we didn't we didn't penalize anybody for not running it uh third year our board got super bought in at the junior football level and said hey if we come to practice and you guys aren't running you guys aren't calling these plays the same stuff then then you're not gonna you're not gonna coach for us because we're gonna build a program here and it starts right now and i knew the the day i got uh uh, it, it was that year. I think I got an email from a mom saying, Hey coach, uh, we, there's two, two third grade teams right now. And I don't think our coach is running your program. And I feel like my son's going to be a year behind all these other kids. So would you please talk to this coach? So <laughs> once I got that email, I knew something, something was working, right? That's amazing. Uh, what were some of the other hurdles that you faced in those early years as a 25 year old coach? I can imagine some, some dads that n- know what's going oh, on or think they know what's moms, going on. Moms, moms, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I imagine Grandma, there were some real challenges. The whole town of Derby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it was that, that first year, uh, you know, we, we took over an O and nine team and we went one and eight my first year. And, um, I found myself in the hospital twice with heart, heart issues. So I, I took a pretty bad, um, let a couple of parents get to me, um, really got stressed out and, uh, 
Um, but, but kept, kept fighting a good fight and kept going and stuff. And eventually things kind of turned around that, that next year where, um, we did pretty good, but I think probably the biggest hurdle for me was looking at myself, looking at myself in the mirror. Um, I, I remember I was driven to win a state championship because when you're the head football coach here, all you hear about is Tom, Tom Young and how we won it back in 94. And you're never going to be Tom Young until you win a state championship. So, you know, I, I went into coaching, wanted to be like coach Smith and then kind of, kind of lost my way there for a little bit. Cause the only thing that was driving me was to, to win that state title. Um, you know, and we went to the state semifinals many a times, just could never get over that hurdle. And then finally made it in 2013 and won it. And I remember walking off that field and it was, it was the, one of the lowest moments of my life. Um, I walked off the field, I was walking with my wife and, and my parents and, and, uh, I just stopped last person off the field at the state championship. I said, is this really it? I mean, I've been stressing out. I've been, you know, it, it was fun watching these kids win, but I felt like I just wasted like five to six years of my life trying to get to that moment and then walking off the field, just kind of feeling empty. So my perspective changed right there in 2013. I'm having so much fun. Look, look forward to every day. You know, we're, we're, we've got goals to win state championships, but, uh, that's, that's not our main focus. Our focus is on relationships and on getting these kids to become better men when, when they leave our program. That's beautiful. And, I imagine as you win some state titles, you get a lot more uh, credibility with the know-it-all parents. No. Yeah, I'm I'm about the same age as them. I'm I'm actually <laughs> coaching my I'm coaching my first student's uh, kid. So so I had mom in class, and he's a, now a freshman. So. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty crazy. That's one of those moments when you're you're like, how the heck did I get this old? When did that no, happen? <laughs> No, I hear you. I, I see it with every time we get a haircut and looking at all my gray hairs fall out. So uh, I'm, I'm getting old and I know it. Hey, this is Fitz. Let's step away for a quick break here on the PowerCat Sources Podcast. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. It's lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We now send it back to the PowerCat podcast. 
Let's turn our attention to your time at K-State. What was it like playing on some of those incredible K-State football teams back in the day when you were really rolling? I've got Brian Hanley as my football analyst at GoPowerCat.com, so he pitches in. And uh, it just had to be a blast to be part of that team back then. Oh, man. I can't even tell you how, how much fun it was. And, gosh, we hit it to where – we, we had so many good role models for us when, when we got there in 97. Everybody asked me, when did you play for K-State? And I always tell them, Bishop, Bishop, Beasley, Beasley, L. Roberson. Those were the five years That's I was there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, man, we had some good role models, you know. Um, Bishop, golly, he was the nicest guy in the world. He treated us like superstars. Uh, if he ever saw us out or anything like that, he would he would come up and just, just act like we were – the Michael Bishop and he was the the Brandon Clark. So that was really cool. Then you had the Oaks brothers that, that were our, uh, some huge role models and Grostidier, tight end Swift, all those guys, Cali, we, we had some really, really good, good guys to look up to and have fun with and, and watch the success that they had. And, and like I said earlier, most of those guys, you know, the Seminoles, they're just all overachievers. They, those guys love the weight room. They love the, the workout part of it. And, uh, um, we're overachievers in the, in the film room. And, uh, um, we were, we were good because of it. And, uh, um, they, they were good role models. And then the class that I have still, still best friends with all these guys, John McGraw, John Robertson, Andy Eby, Nick Warren. I mean, I, it goes on and on, but, um, Ben Lieber, we all stayed pretty tight and talk all the time and stuff like that too. So the bonds that we made, the the friendships, like anything in life, you know, made made the football uh, football really fun because we became family. Uh, you know, we were all working hard and had the same goals. We all wanted to for K State to be successful in football. I mean, that that was our main goal. So uh, um, great guys, great memories. I I wouldn't take it back for for the world. I mean, it, it was a great experience. But man, you paid a price. You. When you were on the Bill Snyder teams back in that day, with without some of the limitations they have now, you worked, didn't you? You worked a lot. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, but uh, you know, I think we had to. You know, at, at the moment, I don't, I don't think it was too sexy and fun to, you know, be out there when it's 110 degrees out and you know practicing for three hours or whatever. But I mean, you, you just look at you look at what he did with with who he had and all that stuff. I mean, we we're beating teams that we should never have beat. I mean, I always kind of related to to KU. Look, look at and, and I hate talking about KU, but uh, look what Mangino he took that equation that he learned there and, and made KU a bunch of overachievers and got good. And then then they thought they were better than Mangino and, and went back to hey, let's let's get the guy that's really popular on Twitter and all that stuff. And and then look where they're at now. So I think if you're going to win in the Big Twelve with with uh, teams like K State, I mean, you've got to have that equation. And that's that's why I feel like our current staff too is is going to be be doing awesome here once they get all their, you know, everybody healthy and, and a couple more years underneath them. Well, what have you noticed that's similar about this Chris Kleiman staff and maybe different, um, not only as as coaches, but when they come recruit kids and and those type of things. Uh, you know, Chris, uh, Coach Kleiman, I, I I don't think there could have been a better hire. And that's just my opinion. I'm sure there's a lot of people that, that don't believe that. But, I mean, you need a guy kind of like Coach Snyder, a guy that's going to make people overachieve and uh, recruit the right kid. You can't recruit, you know, the people that aren't going to fit in at, at, at K-State. You know, you got to recruit the right kid for your program. And uh, I think he's doing that. And, uh, um, 
but I, at the same time, I still think I, I, I haven't really watched a practice, but I guarantee he coaches pretty hard. I guarantee his coaches coach pretty hard. And that's the way we had it at K-State too. Um, but at the same time, um, I, I, I hear a lot of good things that he is a player's coach, you know, um, that all the kids feel like they know him. Um, they're, they're, they don't fear him. They don't, uh, um, not, not like him. They, they, they really feel like they, they know him really well and, and like him a lot. Uh, when he's, you know, uh, he's come up to our school. I think that first year he stopped in at Derby three times and I'm not even sure why he did. Um, but he's the first coach. He, he sits back in his chair, pops his feet on the desk and just sits there and just talks. And is just so laid back. And you feel like, you feel like he's one of the guys just sitting there talking to him. You know, you get, you get some other guys that, that come in and kind of feel like you're getting big boyed a little bit and stuff <laughs> like that. But, uh, a man climate, he's, you can tell he's great with relationships. He's a genuine guy. I think that's probably his best attribute is how genuine he actually is. So, uh, I think he's a perfect fit for K state. When a, when a coach comes in, Chris climbing or, or someone else that uh, might even big boy as you said uh, what is your role as the head coach when someone's courting one of your players to play for them uh, first of all I'm trying to get them get them offered I mean that's that's kind of my my deal and it's all a numbers game and I understand it and sometimes it's a little shady when you get up to the d1 level on how, how you can get a kid offered or, or something like that you know in terms of do we really want to be the first and everybody else? Should we hide this kid and offer him late? Or should we, man, maybe we can get him as a walk on or something like that. And you hate, you hate seeing kids kind of getting drugged through the process, but I'm an advocate for our kid. Um, for I, I am a football coach, first high school football coach. And then um, my second role usually is, I mean, I'm in constant contact with K-State coaches trying to get them to um, offer our kids. Uh, you know, I, I feel like we've got a couple right now on our team that, that are close to hopefully getting offered at K-State and, and some other schools too. I just want K-State to be the first. Um, but uh, yeah, just being an advocate for our kids and trying to get them the most money they can because I know my wife and I left K State. You know, we, we uh, she didn't have she was had zero college debt, and you know I was on full ride for five years, so I had zero college debt, and that kind of propelled us and financially to help us out in life. And I want to do as much as I can to help our kids, you know, be be set for life when when or at least for college when when they get to college and get a lot of their college paid for. And you got a couple of players um, that will be back for you that should be pretty darn good players, I think, and. How do you think a guy like Alex Key and running back Dylan Edwards, how, do, how are they going to fit in uh, to your team? And what do they uh, offer maybe a prospective college recruiter? What, what kind of players will they be? Oh, you just, you've got to just look at Alex Key's highlights and Dylan Edwards' highlights. I mean, if you get on their huddle highlights, um, I mean, if Alex was 6'6", six, six, right now he's just, I mean, he's almost 6'4". I mean, almost legit 6'4". He's just as tall as me. Um, and uh, if he was 6'6", six, six, he'd be all world. Uh, he, I mean, his his highlight film is just amazing. The kid has a motor. He's He is so tough when he, when he puts that football helmet on. But, uh, um, gosh, he is the nicest kid in the world off the field. He's always helping people, giving kids rides. Um, got an email from a guy from, from the military and said, hey, I, I want to know what – what one of your players drives this car. And I'm like, I don't know what our players, I'm always the first one to work and the last one to leave. So I'm not sure what our kids drive. He's like, I was like, why, what did this car do? And he's like, well, I was, I was at smoothie King and I was getting ready to get a drink. And, uh, um, your, one of your players, uh, saw a military, uh, 
a bumper sticker and said, uh, I want to pay for your, your, your drink and thank you for your service. And, and, you know, that's, that was Alex key. And that's, that's the type of kid he is. He's so mature. Um, he always helps out. We do, we do so many, um, community service projects and he's always leading the way. Um, he's a pretty cool kid. And then Dylan Edwards, Holy cow. I mean, we, if K-State can land him, they're, they're getting a Tyreek Hill speed. I mean, he is our best receiver, our best running back. I mean, the, the kid can, and he's only a sophomore. Um, I mean, I don't care about his size or anything like that, but to me, he's one of the most dynamic football players right now in the state of Kansas, if not the most dynamic. I mean, if you look at his highlights um, on, on huddle, and they are just absolutely amazing. And uh, it, it almost looks like he, the, the whole the whole tape is sped up, but you just see Dylan pulling away like 20 yards away from people mm. and stuff like that. So two great athletes, two guys, I hope, uh, find themselves at, at K state and, uh, we just got to get them offered and, and hopefully, hopefully the first offer at K state. So we can kind of ride that and, uh, go with that. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm praying for it. And for clarification, Dylan's Leon's son, right? Yeah. 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 Leon so he didn't, yep. he, he unfortunately got dad's height. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's. I'll tell you, I don't care how. I mean, that that almost plays in his favor. Uh, mm-hmm. To to be honest, I mean, people can't catch him, or I mean, he, golly, and he is so physical too. But um, I, I'll tell you, I've, I've never seen speed like that, and we knew it. We, we I saw it in first grade. I saw him doing flips on the football field after scoring touchdowns and stuff. You know, while we were out there in the summer just goofing around, I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to be fun to coach. And he's finally up here, so. Yeah, kids like that make you look like a smarter coach, don't they? No, definitely. Put <laughs> <definitely. laughs> me somewhere else, and I'm just you know I'm probably back to one and eight again. So uh, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. You can, you definitely, can definitely coach the speed. That 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 is uh, something that really helps any coach. Uh, you know, it, it it amazes me that such a young guy decided he wanted to go and put roots down um, to be a head coach long term out of school. I mean, it helps that you ended up. You know, landing a, a just a what is a hotbed. It turned into a hotbed in a six A school, that, and you had uh, support in the community that wanted to do the things that you needed to do. But did you ever have thoughts about college coaching at the next level and then the next level? Did you ever think about getting caught up in that? Uh it 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 had, it had crossed my mind before, but um, nothing nothing too serious because um, it, I I just see how tough it is to be a college coach and recruit all the time and be away from your family and, and miss all that. What, what, what the kids are growing up at home and stuff. And, uh, um, I, I just couldn't do that to my, my wife always tried to push me. She's like, Hey, you can go do it. I don't care. You know, if the money's better, whatever you, you can go do it. We'll, we'll figure this thing out. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't know if I want to give up you guys. You know, I, I get to come home from school and come home from practice and hang out with you guys all yeah. the time. And I, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy my summers with you guys. I really enjoy my off seasons after school when, when I'm not coaching football. And, uh, that, that's just something I couldn't, couldn't do with, with three kids at home and, and a very loving wife. So, uh, um, you know, I, I, it's I, I know high school football is a lot easier to, to coach than, than college football and a lot less time demanding, but uh, it still has its time demands. But uh, I, I'm a high school football coach. I'm, I, I don't think I'm smart enough anyways to be a college coach. <laughs> uh, let's go back to your K-State days. Darren Sproles comes in as a freshman when you're a senior. He plays six games that year, got banged up. Um, speaking of little running backs, at what point did you know this guy ain't like the other guys? He's really special. Darren, yeah, 
Yeah. When I saw him in the weight room and he was bench pressing 300 pounds, <laughs> I was like, what? And you know, Dylan's just like that too. You, you look at Dylan, he's buck 35 and, and, you know, squatting 350 pounds, you know, in the weight room and stuff. But golly, I saw him in the weight room. I'm like, you know, I, I heard some, I heard some coaches talk about him a little bit and I'm like, eh, he is kind of tiny. Oh my gosh. Look what he's benching 300 pounds. And yeah, it was, crazy. Uh, he's a strong kid. Great kid. Great personality. Uh, golly. He, he, he earned everything he got. And man, I, I couldn't be happier for, for the way he's, he's lived his life and all the success that he's had. Okay, so you were part of the 98, 99, 2000 teams, um, and you're familiar with the 2002 team that had a lot of success. So uh-huh. let's, we're going to have a four-team playoff here. Those teams playing at optimum level, who comes okay. out of that on top? Oh, I, I would probably have to say, I don't know, 97 or 98. I would have to say that the Fiesta Bowl or the Alamo Bowl team. Um Probably, probably 98. Yeah, that was just an incredible yeah. team. I mean, you just look at the number of guys that went to the league. Oh, I mean, the whole defense, half the offense. I mean, we we were so stacked. Yeah. Yep. And look, look at the coaches that we had and all that stuff. I mean, it was it was a, it was was an all-star team, an all-star coaching staff. Was it possible to run a pattern too deep for Michael Bishop to reach you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, he had a cannon. It was a I remember one. every day after after practice, him and I would always have, have deep ball practice to see who could throw it for this. And it, it became a pretty fun competition, but, uh, uh, he ended up always beating me, but I think I was one of the closest ones to be able to almost get him. So it was, yeah. I can't remember the number of games. I can't recall the number of games that the defensive back would just give up. Like, where are you going? You know, yeah. I mean, you're so far behind me. This is just ridiculous. And Mike would uncork it and, and get it there. It was just yeah. unbelievable. It was phenomenal. Yep. He was, he was a true football player. He wasn't going to beat you with the speed. He was just going to, man, he could throw the ball and then he could, he could make anybody miss and he make anybody look, look stupid in the open field. Okay. I hope you got something good here for me. So let's wrap it up this way. All right. Can you remember one Bill Snyder thing that he did or moment when he said, this guy isn't wired like everyone else. This is something different. Oh man, there's, there's so many, so many. I mean, yeah, there, there's so many things about the, you know, we, we, we'd be driving by the complex, you know, late at night and yep, his car's still there. And then coming in for trainings, you know, or, or meeting with uh, our trainer at six o'clock in the morning, his car's already there again and stuff like that. But, uh, um, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I think one of my neatest moments, uh, ever was, you know, when, when you go through the program, you feel like, you know, you're just, you're just, uh, you know, you're just somebody there, you know, playing their role. And I remember coming back, it was, it was probably about four or five years ago when I came to practice, uh, when he was there in the middle of practice and coach Snyder never would do this, uh, back in the day, but I, I walked into practice and said hi to Sean and uh, him and I are pretty good friends. And then coach Snyder came up and talked to me and probably talked to me for an hour at practice. And, uh, I've never, never seen coach Snyder do that, like leave practice and just kind of get unengaged a little bit and then just come and talk to somebody else. So that, that meant a lot to me. Um, I mean, he was a good role model. Um, I wouldn't be the football coach that I am right now with, without his leadership and, and what he's done for me. But, uh, um, he truly is a, a genuine guy, a nice guy, um, but he also knew what it was going to have to take to be successful at, at Kansas State University. 
Brandon, I, I appreciate it very much. Congratulations on number six out of eight seasons. That's just absolutely incredible. Um, because Kansas, Kansas football is getting better. I mean, the state of Kansas oh. <laughs> is getting a lot, a lot more competitive out there. It is. We talked to our team all the time about that. We're like, guys, like Lawrence this year, I was like, hey, we're we're getting the team that, you know, Lawrence has been banking on for a couple of years and we're we're gonna run into that team every year. So we gotta we gotta be hitting on all cylinders. Man, Brandon Clark has got it rolling and he's doing it the right way. He really is. He's built up a program from the ground up. If you play youth football in Derby, Kansas, the suburb of Wichita, if you don't know that, uh, you are uh, going to play the same systems that you play at Derby High School. The players are trained at a very young age how to be Derby high school football players. It's a great culture. It's almost like a Texas culture in Derby, Kansas, and it's really cool. And I think it's really neat that Brandon has set down roots, and he and his wife and kids have no intention of leaving Derby, Kansas. That's good for Kansas State high school football, and that's bad for a lot of other football coaches who would like to horn in on some of those 6A titles that Derby keeps winning. Well, that's it for this week's Powercat Sources podcast. We plan on returning to the K-State coaches next week. We will see what the future holds. If not, we will find someone else to talk to because there's all kinds of people we consider our sources and you will enjoy hearing from. I'm Fitz, and we will talk to you real soon on another edition of the Powercat Podcast. Powercat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.